Hello, dear listener. I have something truly special to share. It's an exclusive invitation to join me in Mexico for an intimate and luxurious three-day retreat along the beautiful Pacific coast of Zihuatanejo, taking place the weekend of the spring equinox, March 18th through the 20th. There's also an optional day to stay through the 21st for some special ceremonies that are happening in the area for the equinox. But the retreat itself is the 18th through the 20th, really an opportunity not to be missed. And I'm offering one lucky listener a discounted ticket. On this weekend that I've, I've just been loving into being actually for several years now as COVID and you know everything, but when we conceived of building this place, our home down here it's really what we envisioned, you know, bringing people down here for retreats, for trainings, because we felt and we knew that this space was special. And as people keep coming down and we keep getting the feedback, how magical it is, we want to share it in a really intentional way. You know, be working with the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, the metaphors of the season will set sight on a new vision for our mothering journey and creating a deeper connection to self and mother nature. So to win a discounted ticket, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and DM it to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And remember, the most important thing to mother is yourself. Give yourself permission to take a retreat this year. Besides, who said mothers can't go on a spring break? I'll see you there. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mud Her Code. Welcome to episode 34 of the Mud Her podcast, season two of Rewriting the Mother Code. I'm Dr. Gertrude Lyons, and I feel very moved, blessed, excited for this episode. I have the privilege of interviewing, being with, and having on the show, Nora Shepard. And it's a vulnerable episode. We're celebrating bringing to the forefront and focus on Pride Month. And what does that mean? And what does that mean to me? But more so, what does it mean to someone like Nora in the queer community? How do we self-parent? How do you self-parent in the in the community? What does it look like to rewrite your own code and you know, Nora's coming out journey that is so beautiful. And when we have the opportunity to look at it, you know, from the rewriting the mother code lens, just illuminates so much, you know, so much about our life journey, but then so much particularly about her journey as a bisexual woman and what she deals with, thinks about, has confronted and is looking at for herself going forward, particularly around belonging. And what does that mean? What does it mean for any of us? But particularly, there are some really raw and real aspects to being a bisexual woman and where and how does belonging happen and what does it look like? And I know for me, 
you know, this was a, a beautiful and I feel like a privilege, you know, to have this opportunity to be with Nora and also perfectly honest, uncomfortable. I feel a little bit like, you know, kind of a year ago and venturing into, you know, what does the anti-racism movement mean to me? Black Lives Matter, everything, the unrest that was ignited this time last year and found myself in new territory, which I think is so good. And I'm grateful, you know, for the opportunity with Nora to explore and to be with and to notice my own feelings as she was sharing. And as I was questioning, you know, what could I ask? What should I ask? And she has allowed me to go on a whole deeper level of exploration for myself around my own journey of coming out as an authentic woman, you know, in, in general, but also not trying to equate my experience to hers in the queer community and what that actually entails or means. And at the same time, still relate for myself. So that's just a piece I want to add for, you know, what this has meant to me and what it what it does mean to me to have guests like Nora to explore. And I think all of us in this exploration in any arena that, you know, isn't our norm or don't even know we have discomfort with until we start digging in, you know, that we're all on this journey. You know, we're all brothers and sisters, keepers, and I think have a responsibility to explore any areas and arenas in our lives that I know I have privilege not to and not to have to dig in and look at like, you know, the fears, the dangers and what someone like Nora or someone in the queer community is up against. But where can I learn for myself? Where can I be an ally, support, all of that? It's all, you know, new and beautiful and I hope this exploration with Nora illuminates new things for you and, and gets you thinking and exploring as well. So let's dive in. Nora, I can't tell you how honored, excited, blessed I am to have you on the show today. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Particularly what we're highlighting in this episode is the fact that it's Pride Month and the exploration, you know, what does that mean for individuals that are experiencing it from a personal perspective, you know, to those who want to support the month, you know, everything that it means and emulates and the potential for it. We want to, to really, you know, have focus this month to dig into that. So thank you for bringing yourself into this conversation. Thank you for having me. I, I'm excited about this because I think, you know, your message of parenting yourself and learning how to soothe yourself and parent yourself and, and rewrite your own mother codes is so relevant to this month. And I can relate to it a lot as a member of the queer community of needing to needing to write my own path. So I love this conversation. I'm excited to do yeah. dig in. Well, if you don't mind, I'd love to share you uh, with, you know, with our audience and have you, you know, in whatever way feels right for you or what, you know, comes to mind, not in any scripted sort of way, but just about your journey, you know, that might include your coming out journey, but you know, your journey and who you are in this regard. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, the first person I ever came out to was one of my friends in college. And I came out to him when I was like 19 and I had known for a while that I was interested in women as well. I identify as bisexual. So I had known for a while, I'd only dated men, but I had known that I was interested in women, but I was really scared to come out, which is so interesting because I have a very understanding family very liberal, very progressive. And it was still really scary to come out because we all put ourselves into these boxes, right? And claim these identities. And 
I think it can be really powerful. And today I, I take a lot of great pride in, in identifying in this way, but it can feel really limiting as well. It feels like I'm putting myself into a box. It feels like I'm leaving this old life behind and I couldn't possibly predict how people would react. So it was really scary. And I remember coming out to my friend Connor and he said, okay, cool, great. Are you still you? Like, then we don't have a problem. And I was like, that's it? Like, you don't have anything to say? And he's like, no, I really don't. So he was a good first person to come out to. I didn't come out to anyone else until probably two years later. He was like, the first person I came out to, and then it was a slow burn over the next several years. And I think a pretty classic, the people who knew me best were the last people to find out. I started by telling strangers, like if I met someone, I'd really casually throw in that I went on a date with a girl last night or what have you, just to kind of test the waters. And no one, no one cares if they're, if that's the first thing they know about you, like no one, it doesn't matter if it's, something new. Then I started to tell my friends and my family and my parents were the last ones to find out. And I was so scared to tell my parents and they were totally fine too. Everyone was fine. I have a very, very fortunate story that I was really accepted. I know that not everyone in the queer community is so lucky, but I mean, in a nutshell, I think that is that. I will say I struggle at times because I've never like brought a girl home. I just have happened to get in serious relationships with men over the years. And sometimes I feel illegitimate at times where I'm like, maybe I'm not really part of the queer community. And so that's something I think that I've grappled with that everyone knows that I'm out, but few people have confronted it in a real way. Some, some people have met the girls that I'm dating, but like, yeah, I've been out for probably five years now and I'm still grappling with that, like in between phase of am I legitimate or am I not? But mm -hmm. in a nutshell, I would say that's, that's the story. Thank you so much. And I know there's so many layers, you know, of what you're bringing to the forefront that is so vulnerable and, and so beautiful. Our human journey, you know, in general, what each of us, you used a word and I don't know if you intended, what was that? Scrapple? Did you say scrapple? I don't or did know. you mean grapple? It sounded like you said scrapple. I probably, like, <laughs> I probably meant grapple. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I thought it was. I do too. I thought it was, I thought it was actually scrappy and grapple. And I don't know, there are like different it. things let's that were, thing. let's make it a thing, but we'll certainly quoted by you, but on my show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I am obsessed with it. That is what I will be using that word from now on. Well, and you know, some things that were standing out to me, Nora, as you just shared were, gosh, you know, despite having what I already know is a very open, you know, could probably if you were to put money on it, bet that your parents would be accepting, you know, they're the last to know. And I, I think as you generalized at the beginning around reparenting ourselves and, you know, aspects of rewriting the mother code, but there's was still something wired in there that had you question that, you know, question it, but I think maybe even, you know, the fear of the loss of any favor with them is really significant, you know, and I think you're bringing that to focus so powerfully with this. And even though you could mount certain evidence of them being, you know, very much on your side, you know, we still have this little kid part of us like, yeah, but what if this one, they don't, you know, what if finally I'll have done the one thing, you know, that has me lose not just favor, but, you know, as little kids, that wiring is like, you know, abandonment of loss of care, protection, like life. 
So I don't want to minimize what the significance of that is. And, you know, I think you being aware of that, you know, for yourself and to have compassion that of course that would, you know, little Nora would be scared to bring something that you just don't know. Yeah. Thank you for reflecting that back. I think that that's true. I think we want to be safe. And what I'm realizing lately, and I think has really come to light as I've like in my coming out journey, growth can feel like loss. Healing can feel like loss, right? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, it didn't feel like I was gaining an identity. It felt like I was losing one. It didn't Mm -hmm. feel like I was adding to this community. It felt like my parents were losing their straight daughter. And that is, I think, a mindset shift, right? Of the fear-based thinking versus abundance-based thinking, right? Be, you know, my parents are going to love me no matter what. That I think is definitely a big part of it is this fear-based thinking when you go on this growth journey and whenever you become more authentically you, you are going to inevitably shed some safety and shed pieces of you. And even if that is the right thing to do, that's incredibly scary because you're leaving some of that comfort behind. And I think that that was, as I was facing this, do I, or do I not? It's like, well, I'm not really dating a girl. So I don't need to, right? That That's what went through my head. I'm like, I'll make them deal with it when I really get serious with someone. And at a certain point, it felt like I am lying to them. I am robbing them of the chance to know their daughter as I am. Mm. If I don't tell them about this part of myself, even if I, even if they never meet a girl that I'm dating, it's still who I am. So that was, I think, the the journey that I had to go on. So I think you're spot on. Well, I love how you're personalizing it and deepening it for yourself because, you know, we take risks when we show up as our authentic self, you know, and when we're kind of living in certain cultures or environments, you know, of what's like normal, then those people that knew me as this does also mean we may lose people. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's the bigger cost? Because as you were saying, like you're rationalizing, like, well, I don't have to confront this. I don't have to tell them this. But there were two things like one, you had parents who you felt like pretty secure that they would Mm -hmm. approve, but there's still that little kid that might, but you probably also knew people in your sphere that it was likely that they might not, you know, or wouldn't. And am I going to risk myself and my authenticity, my integrity? And like you said, then those people miss out on like fully me, but I miss out on fully expressing myself, you know, reflecting myself, you know, fully as the woman I am, you know, as the person I am, as this individual that's, uh, you know, out there in the world. And that I think is the cost, right? We do have to sometimes pay a price to be ourselves, but then we get to look at those relationships. I mean, if people fall away, then we get to look at like, well, what was that relationship anyway? If they're not, you know, with me, it doesn't make it any less painful or challenging, but there are just truths and realities that come to the surface when we bring out these things that we've been afraid to and share parts of ourselves. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. 
And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go, it's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone, I will be honest. You know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. A hundred percent. I want my parents to love me so much, right? Like I want my parents to be proud of me. And I think that that's a really common thing. Everyone craves their parents' approval to some degree. And I was pretty secure that they were going to be okay with it. But here's the interesting thing. I knew my parents were going to love me and they're not homophobic at all, but I didn't want them to love me for me or love me despite this, right? I wanted them to love all of it already. And that's a heavy ask for someone to already have unlearned everything that they have grown up with. And they did completely accept me and, you know, all of that. I think I had to step in though to this model of parenting myself and accepting that like, I am going to choose this path for me. Like I am stepping into this thing because it feels really authentic to my journey. I had to release some of the expectation that my parents were always right. Mm -hmm. And that they, even though I know that they want what's best for me, I know that to my core, I still had to if I was going to step into this thing, recognize to some degree and shed some sort of belief that I needed to be the one to carve my own path. And they followed, thank God. But if they hadn't, that is the fear of like, as you say, like the cost of stepping into yourself and some people aren't going to follow. And I, you know, still get questioned. I think being bisexual is an interesting identity inside the queer community as well. It's a really interesting journey of overcoming what you want your parents to think about you and shedding that in order to step into this new relationship with both yourself and with them. 
Yeah. I love that you just said that, like the new relationship, like it, you know, not to deny it will be different, but that exploration can be really beautiful and cool, right? Like not always comfortable and, and it can be hard and it can be messy. And you were saying that I was curious, like, you know, with all of the awareness of like excuses or reasons you put it off. I'm imagining that there was some self-parenting, you know, or mothering of yourself you did to actually take the step. Sometimes we're conscious of it. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we, you know, have really conscious ways we do that, but now we can look back and say, yeah, I would say it was this. Is there anything you can say about that? That's such a good question. I think part of what I said before was part of it. I was starting to test the waters and share it with strangers because there was no stake in the game. I just casually, I was like, I wanted my coming out to be not a thing. (laughs) Like I wanted the world to just kind of know And I didn't want to make it a big deal. And so I started to tell strangers in a very casual way. Oh, I was dating. I went on a date with this girl last night. And that would be all I would say. And I would kind of gauge the reaction. And strangers rarely cared. Sometimes I would get like a double take. And then I would start to tell some of my peripheral friends. And I would tell them in the same casual way. And I gauge their And then I told it to my close friends and then my brothers. And again, I came out in the same way to all of them, which is just like, so I went on a date with a girl last night and uh, gauged their reaction. And as I got closer into my inner circle, they'd be like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? Can you say more about that? And then my parents, I actually like did tell them like, I am bisexual and it was a moment. And I think that was part of it. I think that that was over the course of like a year and a half. And I was like with every person gaining the confidence that I needed to, to like tell the world world. And I'm glad, even though I'm like, I wish, eh, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not even going to say that I wish I had done it earlier because by the time I did it, I was totally secure in who I was. And I had been going on dates with women for for years. And I think that that was a big part of like the self-parenting journey. I also journaled a lot whenever I felt like I was feeling scared or it was probably a period of like a month and a half that I was like building up the courage to tell my parents in a really intentional, active way. And I would almost do it. And then I would pull back. And there was a lot of journaling happening in that time and a lot of running happening in that time. And I think those are all examples of ways that I was definitely self-parenting myself during that time of my life where I was with every action, getting a little bit more confident about the path that I was carving that no one else was able to carve for me. I love that. I, and I think it's, it wasn't like you sat down and said, here's my plan, you know, I'm going to like do this. And I, I love that because that was your intuitive wisdom, right? You, mm-hmm. you might've like read in a book somewhere along the way, like, here's what, here's a way to do it. And like, I'm going to follow this and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not where this came from, you know, for you. And you, you know, carved and, and set out on a journey in a way that to me, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like if you're going to climb a big mountain, you know, you get in shape, right. And you, mm-hmm. you, you get in shape and, and being able to kind of uh, experience different reactions, you know, notice the different feelings that came up when you've got different reactions and, you know, you were building, you know, muscles on how to be with yourself more and more with them. And that's, you know, a big thing that, that we talk about, right. And rewrite the mother code is especially in the developmental model, right. We're all yearn, we're all hunger for approval, for affirmation. It's part of our development, you know, to do that and to tend to ourselves in that hunger, then the most important person we need to continually affirm is ourselves. Right. So you were, you know, this, we talk about it, like, you know, as we're just wondering what everybody's reactions and how it's going to be in the world. But really what we're doing is working our own, you know, internal unfinished business with it. 
because most of the time they're just projection screens, right? Like they're, you know, the parts of us oftentimes that like have had these different judgments of yourself and we then can kind of expect or, or think that that's how other people, but the word that keeps coming up for me as you're sharing is you built more and more unconflicted consciousness, you know, for Mm. yourself. And, you know, got stronger and stronger where as the relationships were more meaningful and the potential costs were higher of how they responded, you had, you know, more strength and clarity in your, in your choices. You said so many things that resonate. And I think as we all yearn to be loved and that's a universal human yearning. I think that is probably, and I'm not going to speak for everyone in the community, but definitely for me was the one most at odds, most craving to be called out, right? I mentioned this earlier. I think being bisexual is a really interesting part of the LGBTQ community and every experience is different, but I will say for mine, and I think that the other people who identify as bisexual can relate, who I've talked to, is this feeling of not being queer enough to be in the queer community and not being straight enough to be in the straight community. So there's this feeling of if I step into this authenticity, am I going to have anywhere to belong? Like that's what kind of goes, goes through your head. And it's like, if I'm dating a man, I'm straight. And if I'm dating a woman, I'm gay, but I'm both. And both are always true regardless. And now I can say that, but it's still, that's still something that I kind of grapple with is this in-between of the community. And so to your point of this yearning to be loved and to feel belonging, I think is absolutely the yearning that I didn't have language for it at the time, but was at odds and was why it was so scary to come out. And I think a lot of queer people can probably relate to that because that is like, that's the yearning that you want to belong to you. Ultimately, you have to mother yourself. But of course, we want to belong to other people. And I guess, yeah, as I've learned, there is there's community out there for every single person. You just have to show up authentically you. But it's hard. It can be really hard. Yeah. No, I felt really tender, Nora, as as you shared about that, because, you know, belonging is, I ultimately think our belonging is our choice, you know, and we create it. And, you know, we have a lot of authorship in, in just choosing to belong wherever we are, right? In any, in any given moment. But mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there aren't, you know, then feeling that and, and experiencing that is that's a whole nother story, right? <laughs> and, well, and it's and it's are you belonging as your as your authentic self? Yeah. Is the other question. Yep. And you know, if I am showing up like fully as me, my gender, my sexual orientation, like where where does that fit in? And like why is that a factor in my belonging? You know, and how how am I creating that? How do you know the different communities create that? Because, you know, there's huge value in being, you know, around people that are experiencing life, living life like the way you are, right? And there's probably a community for, I mean, there's the whole general queer community, but then there's the bisexual community, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, we're all in this together around the not feeling like we belong in these others, but we're together in this, right? And in that feeling, and that's, that's beautiful, you know, and then we have that link in common. And then there's other aspects of our lives, of our places. Well, we talk about this in, you know, rewrite the mother code, right? Like expand the definition of mothering, like we all mother so that we can break down some of those barriers. And yes, we're making different choices within that broader spectrum to, to both, you know, honor our differences and honor where we're, you know, there's qualities that are the same, no matter what, you know, and and I don't know, you're, you're just giving me so much, so many beautiful things to think about, but I still am kind of 
stuck with the like, I'm not queer enough for the queer community, right? Like I would never know that that would be a thing. I wouldn't even think about that, <laughs> right? But yeah. for you to share that experience, I think is so beautiful. And to, you know, to put that out there, that's something you wrestle with, you know, and that's, you know, unique to, you know, your experience that I feel grateful to and honored to have you share it. And kind of like going back to the beginning, right? If you didn't, if you kind of kept that inside, there'd be a whole aspect of you that I wouldn't know fully, you know, and be able to be on the journey with you in it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. There, there are a couple of things I want to say to that. The first one is to respond to the most recent thing you just said, which is that, mm-hmm. you know, thank you for sharing. I think I want to underline that sharing who you authentically are is a gift to those who want to know you, because if you can't, you are shedding this safety with every piece of authenticity and every more vulnerable that you get with yourself, you're shedding what you know, and you're stepping into a more secure life because it's founded in this authenticity because it's not sustainable to never be yourself. (laughs) Like those walls are going to crumble no matter what. So that was the first thing I wanted to say. And then the second thing I wanted to say is just related to how to find community because I have found other people who identify as bisexual. My last relationship was really open to it. And it has allowed me to find partners that more allow me to be fully myself, even as I'm committed to them. It's been kind of amazing, actually. And I think social media has been really helpful. When I came out, I was like 19. And that was, I don't know, eight years ago. And it was around, obviously, but it wasn't like as big as it is today. And now, I mean, there's sub communities and just in and ev- everywhere, all over the internet. And I have found other people who identify as bisexual on my social media accounts. I came out maybe like three or four years ago publicly. So that my personal journey had already been going on for a few years at that point, but I came out publicly like maybe four years ago. And I got messages from people who said, I've been struggling with my sexuality and, you know, I just thank you for sharing this and I really want to connect. So that was when I was coming out, people were reaching out to me saying that they connected. And now that I'm publicly out, I have found my community and in real life. Like once you open up the doors, it's so hard to see when you're in it because you don't know anything else. But I have seen it now is how many doors there are open for people who are brave enough to walk through them and the doors that appear. Like they're probably not in front of you yet. It's not that you're like making the choice not to go through them. They just haven't appeared yet, but they will if you are brave enough to be yourself. So yeah, those were just the two the two thoughts that came to mind as, as I'm reflecting on, because I do feel that way where I'm like, I'm not gay enough for this. I'm not straight enough for this. But as I'm reflecting back, like I have found community of people who understand and who get it and who maybe aren't as publicly open as I am, but they are open with me and we can resonate together. So that has been really beautiful. And I'm grateful that I just got to reflect on that. Yeah, no, thank you. I I think you're underlining it so poignantly and and beautifully, Nora. And I hope it doesn't leap, but for some reason, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, I I love that how it was so different like eight years ago, right? And I'm thinking about it even, you know, I had an awareness of the the gay pride parade in Chicago, you know, Mm -hmm. but that was about as far as like the pride aspect and, you know, it was starting to like build. And now, you know, we celebrate a month of awareness, you know, toward it and raising our awareness and, you know, broadening the sphere and everything that you're talking about. Anyway, what I'm getting at is I'm wondering what it means to you. And, you know, what does Pride Month mean to you specifically? I'm curious. Yeah. 
I think it's so beautiful. The fact that I am able to have this conversation with you right here, right now is not just because I have self-parented. That is a big part of it. But I am like riding the coattails of so many fighters who have come before me and who have fought for my ability to talk to you as an openly bisexual person who's not afraid of job retribution. That is a gift. And this month is a reminder of that, of the labor and hard work that has gone into fighting for these rights for everyone who identifies as part of the queer community, which is so much more than anyone realizes. Like we hear the stats of like, it's 4% of the population, but that's millions and millions of people <laughs> who identify. And I, and I think it's also probably grossly underestimated, if I'm being honest, people who identify as some sort of the spectrum. And I think June is just such a beautiful testament to A, how far we've come and B, how far we have yet to go. And so interesting, like the layers of privilege, right? And the intersectionality, like as a white woman, like I do enjoy other privileges that I am acutely aware of in this month as I'm like part of this greater community and I'm celebrating my ability to be myself and honor like everything that's happening and, and the journey that's gone into coming here and how much I need to be there for other people who are part of this community and how far the fight is yet to go. And so it's a, I love June. It's an amazing month. It's a celebratory month. It's a month for people who actually like to actually recognize how, how prevalent like we are, to be honest, it's very heartwarming. Like obviously rainbows are really fun, but it's much deeper than that. For me, it's a, it's a chance to like really be myself and truly be an ally to queer folk who don't feel as safe as I do to be themselves. Because I think that that's something that June reminds all of us is that everyone deserves to feel like they can be themselves mm -hmm. and not everyone enjoys that privilege still now. Right. So totally it's a beautiful month and it also reminds me how much work we have left to go, you know? Yeah. I've been thinking about that in my own, you know, awareness this month of, and, and you brought to light, I think a couple important points, right. That even within there's a continuum of like the fears, you know, you, we've spent a lot of time and it's a, it was a, you know, of course, a real and important fear of what would happen when you shared with your parents, but beyond that, like living into it in a world that isn't in a culture that isn't accepting. And to be grateful, like you said, for those that have, you know, paid a very huge price, you know, for that, for these freedoms that, you know, are more prevalent or, you know, are more, but we're not even, we're not anywhere close, you know, to what, where we need to be in, right. in acceptance and, and awareness. And, and even what you said, you know, we all lose by narrowing our sphere or our scope, right? Like, the world loses by anywhere where we're putting limitations on who we are, you know, and, and our full expression of ourselves. And I feel really sad about that, you know, and of course I could, you know, look at it personally, but this is the global impact, right? The like impact. And I think we need to hold that vision of what is possible and what we're, you know, that limited thinking, that limited way of being is the, the cost of that you know, to us and as a force to help us, you know, keep fighting for more and more acceptance, more and more, you know, um, openness on, on both sides and from everyone, you know, where one day it isn't 
like incumbent, you know, on a person to feel like they have to put relationships or life, like every layer that you're talking about at risk at that level to show who they are. So I think it's really yeah, so I mean, big. You just nailed it, right? Why should we have to sacrifice other pieces core to our living and our self? Why should we sacrifice that to be who we are? Like you just nailed it. And that's the, the fact. And you said something earlier too, of like belonging is a choice. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of this conversation too, of the fear of, it felt like I was losing an identity, not gaining one because identities and labels and whatever, while they're just words at the end of the day, they can, they hold a lot of power and they're super powerful mm -hmm. and can feel limiting if you're in that mindset. So with that in mind, and with what you said in mind of like, why should sexuality, gender, what have you impact your ability to belong? Both are true because identities matter. People care about that. People mm -hmm. cling on to different identities that they hold. And they say, anyone who's not this is not part of me. And I think we're stepping into this new age, which is really exciting and scary because globally we're stepping away from the safety. So the same pain that I was feeling when I was coming out, we're feeling on a global scale. And I get yeah. that actually, I just put that together. And I think that that is probably what's happening is we as a global community are putting behind us what we know to be safe. But the ironic part is that exactly what you said. If we don't show up as authentically ourselves, we all lose. It's actually the most dangerous thing we can do. I mean, look at the suicide rate in the queer community, like companies with more queer folk have a better bottom line. Like there are so many reasons if you want me to give them to you that it's actually more dangerous to not be ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. there's like, so that's that, but that's our logical brain and our emotional brain is like, even if it's worse, it's what I know. And that's better. Yes. And that's so interesting. And I think we're in this global moment of hopefully we're stepping into this new paradigm of what could be, but it will require a lot of, a lot of shedding, a lot of collective shedding. Wow. Well, Nora, so it's also big and beautiful and yay, <laughs> you know, and it's important to paint some rainbows. <laughs> yes. You know, and, you know, as I was starting to say, I, I think you underlined it, but you know, I'm also want to underline yet yeah, the belongings, a choice, the choosing to put myself out there, just, you know, knowing that there's dangers, you know, both, you know, personally relationship wise, but also in the world, you know, as a person, but I have a responsibility, you know, as a straight white privileged woman to do my own work. I'm just going to say this full transparency. Like, I don't know the history of pride month. Like, you know, there's just so much I can just, you know, don't have to think about, you know, or, or take responsibility for, but as a citizen, you know, as a human on this planet, I do, you know, we do have, I've, I feel, you know, even more so called to like my responsibility in broadening my acceptance, broadening, you know, my sphere, my thinking, because of course I could sit there and think like, well, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. Like it's great or whatever, but I'm sure there's a lot going on in there that is worth exploring. And so I can be that much more of an advocate accepting, you know, and, and helping create an environment of, of acceptance. And yes, I look at the, this through the rewrite the mother code lens, you know, for sure. But in that looking at like, 
accepting, you know, women and all their choices in the mothering realm. Well, this is just like that, right? Like I have to mm. be with myself when someone's making a choice that I don't either understand or I don't overtly agree with. I mean, whatever comes up, that's mm. my responsibility also, you know, to, to fully unpack and look at and like, what's my wiring around? Wow. That's interesting. Why do I have that reaction? And I know for me, it's a call to action, you know, for myself. And I intend it to be, you know, and, and choose it to be and want to be. So that's, if I didn't know you, you know, if we hadn't had this conversation, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, had these realizations and gotten to these levels for myself. So I'm hugely grateful for you. your willingness. Thank you. A couple things. The first is feelings aren't a choice, but what you do with them are. So not having this shame, trying to express self-compassion and self-love to whatever comes up because it's just our wiring. We're all swimming in this, frankly, homophobic water. <laughs> all of us, even that's why self, you know, self-internalized homophobia is, is a real thing because we're all in this water. And so identifying what those feelings are and identifying what that wiring is so that you can make a more conscious choice, I think is is beautiful what you just said. And thank you for saying that because it's interesting as you're talking, I'm I'm recognizing, I'm like, who am I to even be talking about this topic? Like, I'm just bi. Like, I'm not, again, like these self-limiting of like, I'm not queer enough. Amazing, yeah. It really is how ingrained these are. And I'll share some resources. We can put them in the, yeah. in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. This has been a really interesting conversation and, and reflecting on it. And I just think June is such an amazing month for all of us to step into a more conscious awareness of what the world could look like. And I loved this conversation. Oh, that's what I'm so excited about. Like, I, I feel like it's, you know, opened up a space again of like, I mean, both, you know, angry, upset, whatever, anywhere we're oppressing or holding, you know, ourselves in any way, you know, based on the prevailing culture and then, but also so hopeful and exciting, you know, and who knows, like the creativity, the energy, the the possibility, I, I don't have like explicit pictures of it. It's more just a feeling, uh, you know, like, a, and I don't know, for me, I guess that's how I'm going to connect to the rainbows. You know, it's, I've never really like thought about why that symbol or what it means. And I'll look into that too. But for me, it is, it's like, that's the image or picture I have of, you know, full acceptance of the queer community of what the possibility is, you know, and they're there, you know, we can't see them or we're hiding them. And like the thought of like never seeing a rainbow and being, I don't know, I'm just kind of like going <laughs> off on it, but it's no, like, oh it. my gosh, <laughs> yeah. both the sadness again, right? Like what if rainbows weren't, weren't around? How, or were how like, like the, great uh, the world would be. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, the more, you know, the more, the, the more, you know, you don't know, the more, you yeah. know, the less, you know. Right. And I think these conversations just bring up so much excitement and fear, but it's the same neurological reaction, excitement and fear. So yeah. leaning into choosing to believe the optimistic perspective is the choice that we all have. And I'm excited that we get to have a pride again this year because it was kind of canceled on us last year. Yeah, yeah so. no kidding. But it's funny because even though it was like, I think there was certain ways like more awareness was raised by it being different. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. But anyway, thank you, Nora. Thank you so, so much. I know this is the start of a conversation and we're scratching the surface, but it's an important one. You know, it's so yeah. important to wherever we're talking about it and initiating conversations and creating them and broadening community overall, I think is a beautiful thing. So can't thank you enough. Thank you, Gertrude. This has been really fun. What a fun way to start the day. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. 
As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.